it's been an incredibly exhausting, stressful week as I prepared this message on Sabbath rest. (laughs) And as part of our whole theme of knowing, growing, and sowing, and leaning into Jesus and being equipped and commissioned. And it's the final message in the series on the rhythms of grace, which you haven't been a part of or you're joining us for the first time online. You can actually go back and watch them. And they are about spiritual disciplines. But discipline is a harsh word, and it really doesn't capture the essence of what spiritual disciplines are. It's not a bad word, that. But they're actually things we do regularly, a rhythm that is filled with grace. And then when we do them, we place ourselves in a position where God's grace can minister to us. And our key verse from this is from Matthew 11, where I'm actually going to end today, where Jesus says, come to me and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And today we're going to talk about Sabbath, the rhythm of rest. Jesus and his disciples on the Sabbath were walking through a grain field and they hadn't eaten, they plucked some. And the Pharisees got indignant because that was viewed as harvesting and working, which was an exaggeration and a distortion of what the Old Testament laws said about Sabbath. And Jesus responded to them and he said, the Sabbath was made for man, for humanity, not people for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And there is one of his claims to being God. He said, I created the Sabbath. I actually know what my intent was when we talk about Sabbath. So again, it's very legalistic practice by the Pharisees regarding the Sabbath, Jesus declares that God's purpose for the Sabbath was to bless people, that people weren't made and then forced into this thing called the Sabbath, this day of rest, this 24-hour period that the Jews viewed as sacred and different to every other 24-hour period in a week. He says, this was instituted not to become a burden to people, but rather to bless, refresh, and enhance our well-being. And so I need to touch on, firstly, the sacredness of work. Because that's the origin, the beginning of this concept of Sabbath. God is a worker. And it says that after six days of work, we're going back to Genesis 1.31, He saw all that he made and it was very good. And then he put human beings into the garden he'd created. Not to do nothing, but to do something. Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work. To work. And to take care of it. And I know today I'm speaking to people here in the auditorium online who are actually exhausted by work, frustrated perhaps in your workplace, under pressure in your workplace. And I'm hoping that what is imparted today will actually be something by which you can learn to refresh yourself and find something new in the person of Jesus Christ. 
So when God created us, he created us to work in his garden. At that point, unspoiled by sin. And he commissioned us to both work and to be fruitful. And then the devil entered, and in the temptation with Adam and Eve, he introduced sin into the world. But he was the first sinner. He was the one that rebelled against the rule and the throne of God and was cast down. And one of his names that is used in the Greek is Diablos, which actually means the disruptor. And that's exactly what he did by tempting Adam and Eve to sin. He disrupted what God had intended. He disrupted Adam and Eve. He disrupted creation. And he still seeks to do that. And for some, I believe today, you need to understand in your workplace, or and it's not just people who are working to be paid. There are volunteers. There are people who work in the home, caring and looking after kids and all of that, and include that in the sense of work, that the enemy is seeking to disrupt. And there's actually an aspect of spiritual warfare going on in the place where you work. And you need to take authority and pray against it. And I'd encourage you to read through the book of Ephesians, and particularly when Paul talks about putting on the full armour of God. But when sin entered, something changed with regard to work. And God cursed the devil and he cursed the ground. And he said to Adam and Eve, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat food. So work now no longer is this joyous thing of caring for God's creation and working in the garden. It now becomes a thing of effort and stress. But the wonderful thing is that Jesus redeems us from cursed work. And I believe that is applicable to us here and now, not just for eternity. And if you feel you're in a place of doing cursed work, work under pressure, Galatians says he's redeemed us from the curse. And we need to begin to speak that in and prophesy that into work situations. And whether God then moves you into something else or begins to change it because you recognize there's an aspect of spiritual warfare and I need to counter that, not with cursing the people I work with. Hello? But by speaking blessing and the fact that Jesus has lifted the curse off my work and I should be able to enter into times of enjoying. And there's a battle going on there. It's not always going to be perfect. I'm not trying to put something on you. I'm trying to lift something off you. And so Paul in the New Testament endorses this concept of work and he says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, Colossians 3.23. In 1 Corinthians, he talks about whatever you do, eating or drinking or whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord, bringing glory to him. So work should be something for the follower of Jesus that actually in the way you do it glorifies God. And it's a joyous thing to you. Not that there'll never be pressure or difficulty. But into this whole thing of Adam and Eve and us being commissioned to work and to be fruitful, God introduces this concept of Sabbath, of rest, a thing of grace. And so I've talked briefly about the sacredness of work, but the sacredness of Sabbath. And it's instituted before sin enters the world. 
Genesis 2-3. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. I want to read that again and I want you to catch these phrases that are connected to the concept of Sabbath introduced way before sin entered the world. God blessed the seventh day. Now, let me just pause here. We're not going to identify your Sabbath day because in our modern day world, we are people on shift work and all sorts of other things. And it's not like we set aside a single day and we'll see Paul speaks against that very clearly. But what we are talking about is somehow finding how do I enter into the principle of the Sabbath so there is a rhythm of work and rest in my life that God blesses. And the day that God did, this was back in creation, was the seventh day. He made it holy and he rested from all the work. And I'm going to come back to the concept of him resting. It wasn't because he was tired. But he made it holy. And the Hebrew word for holy is kadosh. And it's used here for the very first time in scripture. And I want you to see something. God said that everything he made was good. And when he finished creation, he said it's very good. But he didn't call it holy. He didn't call the material realm. And there's nothing wrong. It it had the touch of God. It had an intrinsic holiness because it was an expression of God's creative power. But he didn't declare creation holy. He declared that a period of time at 24 hours in a cycle of seven days, a 24-hour period was holy, was sacred, was set apart was special. It wasn't anything in space, in geography that was declared holy. He didn't declare a mountain holy at the beginning of creation. He declared a period of time was holy and endowed it with this quality of being a sacred set-apart thing. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. A medieval rabbi claimed that God actually continued working after the six days because there was something in creation that wasn't complete. And it seems almost a contradiction to what the scripture says. But what was lacking, what remained to be created by God, is something called menuhua. I've been practicing it. And it literally is the Hebrew word for rest, tranquility, serenity, a sense of a sanctuary that is filled with the peace of God. So God created this tranquility, this peace of God, this sense of being in a sanctuary. But I love this. God created rest, menuhua, not by doing something, but by doing nothing. He rested. 
And by doing nothing, he is still the creator. And by doing nothing, you see, he wasn't tired. He didn't need a rest. He didn't go, gee, that last galaxy really wore me out. I need to sit down. Because the Bible says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding, no one can fathom. And he gives strength to the weary and increases power of the weak. So it's not like God's exhausted, but God pauses and in doing nothing creates rest. A sanctuary, not for him, but for us to end into. A tranquility, not for him, because he's always at peace. He's the God of all peace, but a peace that we enter into. And so God creates this rhythm and work as a gift of grace that has this 24-hour pause called rest. And I think it's something, and I feel so challenged with this in myself, of finding ways of rediscovering that without being a religious burden like the Pharisees made it. But recognising there needs to be these rhythms in our life, rhythms of grace, where there's the effort, where there's the work, but somewhere there's the pause, a holy stop that allows us to be refreshed and renewed. Exodus 34, we're now under the law here, but six days you shall labour, but on the seventh day you shall rest. And the meaning of Sabbath is to celebrate a period of time rather than a thing. It's a moment. And six days we live under the, ty- the tyranny of things that occupy space, the doing, the activity. But God says, I need you to find ways to pause, to enter into this holy sanctuary thing that is not physical, a place that you go to a building or a mountain or a tree or whatever, but a place that you find in me where you actually pause and find rest. In Exodus 20, verse 8 and following, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And the Sabbath concept amongst the Jews was that it's a 24-hour stop, a rest, a time that is different from every other of the six days where you labour and you work. In the Old Testament, the Sabbath was also a sign of a covenant relationship that God had with Israel. And it actually became an issue when Jews were scattered under persecution that they would still take this day when everybody else worked and they would do nothing. And in some situations, the records of them being called lazy because the pagan world just never stopped. But Jews would sacredly say, no, this is a unique 24 hours that we do something different. And so for six days, again, Exodus 20:11, for six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that was in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. But the second thing that the Sabbath celebrated in the Old Testament for Jewish people was that they were no longer slaves. Listen to this in Deuteronomy 5 and verse 15. Remember, 
you were slaves in Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. I want you to notice a connection here. And I hope this is a point of revelation. He says, when you were slaves, you had no rest. You were on 24-7 at whatever your master commanded you while you were in Egypt. But he said, he's saying in this, I'm not that kind of God. I'm not that kind of God. Don't behave like a slave anymore where you never, ever stop. And I'm preaching myself into conviction along with some others here. And I think with all our modern technology that was meant to make life easier, we've actually become even more enslaved. And we need to find ways of saying, no, there is going to be a period of time in my life. You may not be able to manage the full 24 hours every single seventh day, but somewhere, God, I need you to help me to find how to hit the pause button, how to detach from some of these things that actually enslave my life rather than work being a blessing and then finding the sanctuary of rest in this holy thing, this moment in time that God creates. And so Sabbath, this concept of rest is, number one, that we physically rest our bodies. God modelled this for us, set an example, not because he grows weary, but he knows we do. And in Psalm 127 and verse 2, he says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. And again, I want to speak that over people that right now, with all the pressure, the stress of what's going on in your workplace, your family, whatever, you're not sleeping well. And I want to say God loves you and he wants to give you rest. And receive that promise, activate. Yeah, you might need to get some medical treatment and some other things in place in your life that where you, by which you learn to chill. But receive the promise of God to give the ones that he loves rest and sleep. I, I need to take a break from the frantic parts of our lives so that I can refresh or recharge my emotions. I rest my body, I recharge my emotions. Psalm 23, verse 2 and 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. And he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. See, God does not want any of us living at a pace of constantly frantic. He says, no, I, I need to make you lie down. And I sometimes wonder, and I speak to myself as much as to anybody else in this auditorium or online, is that sometimes when we get sick and we have to rest, did God just make us lie down there because we weren't doing it ourselves? And he said, you just need to slow up. 
Now, I need to be careful with that statement because I don't believe God makes us sick or puts illness on us. But that whole thing of God saying, you just need to pause so you can rest your body, so you can recharge your emotions. But the third thing is so that you can refocus your spirit. In the book of Revelation, the beloved apostle says, John, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit and I hurt. And what happened with the early church, Sunday became their day because the Jews celebrated Sabbath from sunset on a Friday to sunset on a Saturday. But because of the resurrection, which changes everything about the Sabbath, and I'm coming to that, they celebrated their Sabbath on a Sunday where they would gather, they would prioritise fellowship. And like I said, I know in our society with shift work and all of that, there are people who physically can't be there, they're at work. But again, I think the whole thing of just being in the house of God, coming along, engaging in the online campus, is saying, God, I'm going to give you priority somewhere in my life. And even if you're watching it on delay, that there's that sense, God, I'm giving you priority every week in my week. Not just when I can fit it in from all the other frantic things that I'm doing, but the whole thing of prioritising. In Isaiah 58, it's an enormous passage where God challenges the behaviours of the nation of Israel. But listen to what he says about Sabbath in it. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath. So based on that, they would actually measure how far you were allowed to walk on a Sabbath before it became work. And there's ancient stones that have the markings on. I went to uh, Israel and in Jerusalem to this day in the Orthodox sections, they're actually, that looks like a telephone wire, but it's actually measuring how far you can walk on a Sabbath. And one of our lecturers told us this amusing story of... uh, a rabbi in the Orthodox part of Jerusalem who had a heart attack. And the elders of the synagogue debated for a few moments whether they could call an ambulance or not and therefore break the Sabbath because you can't get a donkey to work and we don't have donkeys, we have cars now and ambulances. So they they thought, no, somebody's life is at risk and that allows us to break the Sabbath. So they called an ambulance and a doctor with paramedics arrived And the doctor foolishly said, oh, he hasn't had a heart attack, it's just angina. At which point they refused to allow them to drive the ambulance out and they had to walk back to the hospital. So that's kind of a religious imposition of Sabbath. But that's what the connection is. Your feet don't go too far. It's not saying don't walk on your day of rest because that can be one of the most refreshing things. But if... You keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day. Ooh. If you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honourable, you see, never did God intend for the Sabbath to be legalistic, crushing obligation. He said, I want you to see this thing as a delight that honours me, that allows you to reconnect, not just with yourself and life and pause, but 
and honoring and a delighting in him. And if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph over the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And I think this is a principle, not, not a legalism, not an obligation, but a principle that is similar to tithing. We go, God, I'm so busy, I can't stop. But what if we actually said, God, I'm going to honour you and I'm going to set aside whatever amount of time you can and start somewhere to honour you. He says, you do that and delight in him during that period and he will cause you to ride in triumph over the land. He will give you victories. He will open things to you. You will accomplish more. And it's the same with time. How can I afford to make the budget meet when I'm giving 10% to the Lord. Well, do it and you see the miracles that God does in that space. And there's so many people here that testify to that today. But here's the thing. Everything I've just shared with you is a principle, a challenge. Rest your body, refresh your emotions, refocus your heart on God. But the Sabbath is no longer found in that kind of duty. It's good for you to do those things. The New Testament declares the Sabbath is found in one place, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Sabbath rest is like this river that flows from the moment it was created from the heart of God. For God himself is the fountain of the rest. He's the beginning. He, by doing nothing, created the sanctuary of rest for us. And the stream runs through the Old Testament under the laws, all the rest of it. God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, and he rested it from work of creation he has done. And so it becomes incredibly audacious when Jesus is criticised by the Pharisees for breaking the Sabbath, which he appeared to do fairly regularly didn't actually, he, he broke the human additions to it and the complexities. He actually never broke the Sabbath. But he actually did things that accomplished what the Sabbath was meant to, bringing healing and wholeness and restoration. And tra- but when criticised, he said, I'm the Lord. I'm the source of the rest. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. And so Paul says, and he wrestles with this as having been a very zealous Jew previously, obeying everything and then enforcing it on everybody else. In his revelation of Jesus, he chews this over, he works it through along with a whole lot of other things. And in the book of Colossians, he says this, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. Those are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. 
So the principles of resting your body, refreshing your soul, refocusing your spirit on God, those principles that we do in time and set time aside for, they're great. But by themselves, disconnected from Christ, they're kind of a Band-Aid solution. He says they're just a shadow that points to the source, the, the, the fountain that started this, this river of rest, this river of refreshing. He said, you find your rest in Christ. And when he's speaking about that, he's not just talking about the rest that we experience, but the rest of eternal life, the rest of salvation. You no longer work for your salvation, strive for your salvation, obey rules for your salvation. You find it in the Lord of the Sabbath, Jesus Christ. It's completed in him. And hence, Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 and following, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you menuhua. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And so I'm seeking to communicate something that we hold attention in this. Do you need to take some time out? Yep. Should you try and institute some kind of Sabbath practice within your lifestyle where you rest your body, you refresh your soul, you refocus your spirit? Yes, I think it's a great idea. There's a principle there. But the ultimate rest, both in time and for eternity, is Jesus says, come to me. Come to me and you will find rest for your soul. Come to me, you will find salvation. Come to me, you will find refreshing. Come to me, Jesus says. Come to me.